Good morning, Mike Levin. LibertyBallers.com. Good morning. Morning, Spike. How are you? <laughs> that I am. You know, I should acknowledge that our because we only acknowledge it in the opening episode, and one of our most um, our most loyal uh, listeners, um, dude, I named him Chris, uh, had no idea that the opening song is Dana Barros, which I think is makes it funny that it's Dana Barros. The the fact that he's a, a terrible ex Sixer singing the opening theme song, I think, sort Whoa. of ties into everything. So Dana Barros is my favorite NBA player of all time. Is he? I loved Dana Barris. Dana Barris was pre-Iverson. Yeah. I was like five five years old and just in love. Favorite favorite player. Love Dana. Love Dana. Well, he is a... He, not everybody's favorite player is their favorite player because they were good. You know, like, I, you know, my favorite, sure. my favorite player ever was, um, was John Starks, who was good for like a couple <laughs> of years. But, you know, by and large, you know, um, and Dana Barris... Dan Barris, especially for a little kid, is fun because he's little and he scored. He shot a lot. So if you're a kid, you know that's that's exactly what you want, right? But he was he did other stuff too. He like he was he had he was a good player. He was a really good player. Especially one year sixes were awful, and he was the only weapon they had. And he I think he was I think he scored like twenty three and eight or something like that. It was a it was a hell of a season. Uh, I must be make, I could be making it up. Yeah, but. yeah. I know. I don't know that he averaged twenty three and eight. I'll hey, look listen, that up. But listen, yeah, at this at this point in the day for me, he averaged twenty two. Well, you're not far off. Twenty and seven and a half. Um, I gave him the extra three. Yeah, twenty point six and seven. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, his career average of ten point five and three point three would have been a great, you know, um, third guard. I guess it had no right being the number one option. <laughs> On any team, as he was on the ninety four ninety five uh, Philadelphia seventy sixers. Um, so anyway, what was his high? Didn't he score fifty one game? I felt like he's. I feel like he scored fifty. Well, um, I mean, Willie Burton scored fifty. Um, mm-hmm. Man, he had he had some games. Man, um, thirty one and seven, twenty six and twelve. Scored thirty nine against the Suns. Yeah, he did score fifty. Scored fifty against the Rockets. I thought I remember him scoring fifty. Sixers Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a sad Hall of Fame that'll be. What a, I don't even know if you can you can come up with an entire starting lineup for the uh, Sixers Hall. Of, I guess you could. Mo Cheeks, Iverson, uh, Julius <laughs> Moses, who was only there for like three years, and Wilt. Like there you go. So you got to find a place for Stone. For uh, first, <laughs> well, wait. Maybe next week there would be a, an awesome um, bad Sixers teams Hall of Fame. Um, like that that era of six. Well, there are a couple of pretty terrible eras of Sixers, but like I feel like that would be a that's the perfect place to put um, Iguodala would be on a bad Sixers teams Hall of Fame. Um, but, well, but, he he was also on a couple of decent teams. Yeah. Well, a couple of decent teams, but not any you know good good teams. I don't think. Um, I think he's part of a disappointing era. You know, I'm a fan of Iguodala as well, but that that decade was a pretty disappointing decade. Uh, he became whether fair or not, he became symbolic of that decade. Yeah. Um, so, um, in true Sixers fashion, um, it of all of the silent Sixers uh, moves or all of the the silence of the last two and a half months or so, I would say that hiring Brett Brown and not even doing as much as sending a press release is by far the most amazing. Like moment to me, the most hilarious moment. Uh, none of it bothers me. This one, I guess, uh, if any of them bothered me, this one is just sort of like, oh come on, really? Um, like the fact that there hasn't even been a a note or a press release or any team confirmation, and I'm, and I, I would love to say I'm sure there's a, a real reason for that, like whether the ink's not dry on the contract or something like that. But it's been like three days now, so. <laughs> This is silly, right? I mean, this is amazing. Yeah, I just don't think they care. Yeah, I get not caring. That's fine. But but not acknowledging that they've hired a coach is, like, if anyone thinks that this is not they don't care. This is they're doing this on purpose. Like, this is clearly, uh, I and, and again, I, I said that it would be leaked out that they had a coach. 
right before the Eagles game on Friday, which is exactly when it happened. And I had, just to make it clear, I had no inside information. I was just trying to think of the time that it would be buried the most, which would be late on a Friday, especially before an Eagles game. So they managed to do that. So I have to imagine that the confirmation comes at some point today, and then the press conference is before the Eagles game on Thursday. That's the only logic tells me that if they're going for the least possible publicity, that's exactly when it'll happen. That sounds about right. Yeah. I, I just, this is the one that, like, I'm just, I'm sort of at a, like, it's, again, I think it's hilarious. It's just at this point, it's, um, if anyone thinks that they're not doing this on purpose, this isn't they don't care. This isn't we don't care about the media. This is that we are we are going for as little for whatever reason that you choose to accept. But they, they are this is purposely going for as little um, attention or publicity for any move that they make. That like this has to be confirmation that they're doing it on purpose. That it's not that they're they're not cognizant of the media. It's that they are doing as as much as possible to escape any sort of media attention. Um, which I'm sure they have their reasons for, but this must be a part of that. Like, this was done on Monday. It's it's Wednesday. Well, it was also reported at the draft that they yes. hired Brett Brown. Right, 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 right. But even if, you, even if, free, even if you're giving them, um, let's say you're giving them uh, the benefit of the doubt and saying that that report was erroneous, that maybe they were close, but it didn't happen. Like, the terms of the contract came out on, on Monday. Um, sure. So this is, and there, it's not like the, um, you know, the whole Drew Holiday trade where there's no, they are not in some kind of moratorium for announcing coaching moves where they're not allowed yeah. to announce it or anything. I don't know. I just think it's hilarious. Um, it's very, it, it's a very Sixers thing these days, and it was even happening before Hinky got there. Um, in that something gets announced, they deny it. And then a month later, or a couple weeks later, or a couple days later, they're like, hey, uh, just heads up, this is exactly what was reported. <laughs> this is this is totally true. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Adam Aaron being being gone and then not being gone, and then, oh, yeah, he's, he's gone. And, you know, Doug Collins not being back, that kind of stuff. Uh, it just seems like they're just so bad at at uh, keeping things in-house and releasing things when they want to release them yeah, more than any other franchise I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah well, that's the fun. The funny part is that they, are, they clearly want to play things close to the vest, but there is somebody in there that is not playing things close to the vest, you know? Like, I definitely thought when the report came out on Friday, my guess was, my first guess that it was taking a while for the— for the negotiation, well, actually, I'll, I'm lying. The first, my first thought was, okay, this will be done soon. Then my second thought was, I started. To get, I told you on Friday night, I'm like, well, this is a little weird. Like, I'm a little nervous about this. Yeah. Um, and I started to get the, um, when, whenever I see a report like that that gets leaked out, I try to figure out which side it came from. And my initial thought was, okay, you know, this is a mutually agreed upon leak. But then I started getting worried that it was a Sixers leak and that they were leaking it on purpose because they thought they might not get him and they wanted to at least give people the indication that they tried to get somebody other than Michael Curry um, mm-hmm. when it comes out that they hire Michael Curry. But then by Saturday, I started thinking, okay, this, it, this was clearly leaked by Brett Brown. Brett Brown wants as much job security as possible. You know, he's going to take the job or he wouldn't have interviewed for it twice. You know, he, he knows what the job is, but the guy wants it. In my head, it became the guy wants four or five years instead of three years, um, and he's probably going to get it, and that's what it looks like he got. It looks like he got four years. Um, yeah. But the process of it was sort of nerve-wracking. It, you know, I've said all along that I'm good with whoever they hire, um, but this one seems like, Brett Brown seems like he has all of the, um, you know, all the things that you would look for for a team like this uh, at this time. doesn't mean he's going to be successful, but it seems like he has all of the um, all the different components that you'd look for. Yeah, it's um, there's no guarantee that uh, he stays here all four years um, because coaches are so often scapegoated on bad teams, even when the plan is to be bad. 
But I really hope he stays. Like, I really, I mean, obviously I don't know much about how he coaches because he hasn't yet. But I feel like to go through all of this and then just use him as a one-year scapegoat is excessive and not fitting what, what the Sixers do. I People are saying, okay, you know, and and, and I think so. Um, coaches don't survive losing seasons as bad as the one the Sixers are going to have. Right. But, but so transparent that they're going to be bad. And it was such a, a long process of finding the coach to coach through this. It just doesn't feel like they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're in. He's gone. Yeah. I, I, really, I really hope it's not a case because I, I Sixers front office to be different. I don't want them to have to have to sort of count the form of someone someone's head needs to be on a stick. Yeah, I um I I agree with you. I think that I honestly think that part of the um, whereas, and we'll get to the devil's thing in a little bit, but <laughs> we will, but part of, there are some people that were theorizing that the reason that the Sixers were, um, uh, the reason that the Sixers were going for as little publicity as possible is because they want an excuse for, um, trying to move the franchise that they don't want attendance. They don't want interest, so on and so forth. But as I pointed out to many people, like three years ago, they were dead last or second to last in percent uh, capacity attendance, and nobody cared about them, and they were trying. So, you know, they're going to do plenty this year by just sucking um, by in not filling the building. They don't really have to worry about that. I do think that the point of this um, is some of it is that Sam Hinkie doesn't care, but some of it is they want lower expectations because they have seen – um, it blow up in their faces. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly that th- that is. I, I don't know what Scott O'Neill's plan is for this. And I think when the season starts, we'll start we'll start seeing things ramped up, and there will be publicity, and guys will do appearances and interviews, and because that's what they have to do. You know, they they do um, they do want some sort of visibility. But you know, I think the the reason you bury the Nerlens Noel press conference is like, look, the guy isn't going to play until January. Um, when he does play, he's a project. Uh, Michael Carter Williams is a project. They're going to be bad, and the, the the lower expectations we can have on them, at least in the short term, the the you know the the taller you are, the harder you fall, right? So if they're not that tall, then they can't far that fall. They can't fall that far. And I think that it's the same thing with Brett Brown. Is that like if you hire this guy and say it's a rebuilding process and tell him you're going to give him four years but then spend the next two and a half months talking about how this guy is the next great coach in Philadelphia, how he's going to you know, fix Michael Carter-Williams' jump shot, how he's going to turn the franchise around, and then they start out 1-15, well, then everybody wants his head. You know? sure. So I think part of this is, is you know, managing the expectations for the players and the coaches going into this. Um, and it, it helps them. I think a lack of attention and a lack of expectations actually helps these guys get their jobs done because um, as much as even Sixers fans, even the most diehards, even people that listen to this, that um, that I would I, I think a lot of the people that listen to this are on board with this sort of thing are going to get even me, even you, when they're one and twelve and they're scoring sixty three points a game, it's going to be a little annoying. You know, it, it'll be harder to keep your emotions in check. When that's actually happening. So I think the fewer people that care, you know, the better. I think, you know, if you were to put a lie detector test on either of us and when they're one and 12 and Michael Carter Williams looks like he can't play, we'll say, yes, they need a couple of years. But uh, the gut reaction is going to be, holy crap. Like, I knew they were going to be bad, but it's a whole different thing watching them be bad. Oh, man, I can't wait. (laughs) It'd be so bad. It'd be so bad. You underestimate how much I enjoy. Uh, losing in the NBA. Well, that's your your troll. Your your no, it's not. It's not. It's it's just it's just the system. It's that's the way that you're supposed to do it, and it sucks that that's the case. But that's the way. I mean, they're embracing a, being a rebuilding team. It's awesome. 
It's awesome. I can't wait. I, but it, I, you know, I'll, you have been questioned before by other people in your outlook as far as losing. And I honestly think that part of the reason that you can be that way is because you're not here, is because you're not in Philly, is because you're separated from it. Like, I, I honestly think, it, because I understand it as well, but nobody likes, nobody who is a fan of a team likes watching losing. They yeah. don't. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the Sixers have been so boring for so long that at least they're being boring with a purpose. It feels better. I'm okay with it. Um, rather than last year's team where they were not built to lose, they were built to just be mediocre and not and kind of tread water. Um, I, I guess maybe it, it, that's a little bit. I mean, I grew up there. Like I, I, I put I put my time in in Philadelphia. No, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you, when you when you leave at 18, because I left at 18 too. You don't really put your time in Philadelphia unless you're here as an adult. Like I, I really think you're sheltered when you're you're around other Philly kids. You know, um, I, I, I think, um, and this isn't me. Like, like I'm not criticizing or saying you're not a Philly guy. Sure. You don't get no, it. No, no, no. But bring I, it, bring I think, it. But, don't, don't no, but, it. Come, come right, come but, right but, in my face. But, but when you're when you're you you can't turn it off as easy when you're here. Like you can't you can't walk away from it. You can't. You can't be as selective in the criticism that you hear of the teams. You can't be as selective of what you watch and what you do. Like, you know, it, it's, it's easy. It, when the Phillies are terrible, it's easy to tune it out when you're not here. Um, and, and I just think that, that I, I think we mostly agree, like, because I, I agree that, that I agree in losing for a purpose. And I'm, I'm not, I don't want the players to lose on purpose. Like, I, you know, I, I, I do. Enjoy, I forget who wrote it, but somebody wrote a thing about the difference between um, uh, the difference between uh, rebuilding and tanking. You know, and I do think there is a you know a, a specific difference. You know, I think um, you know get on purpose getting bad veterans and playing those bad veterans instead of the good veterans you have um, to get a better draft pick, or what the Warriors did a couple years ago when they. Um, when they sat Steph Curry and they traded Monte Ellis to lose on purpose, that is tanking. I don't think what the Sixers are doing is tanking. I just don't. I, I think they're it's, it's shorthand. It's shorthand. But it's not. I mean, the, because they're not losing games on purpose right now, they're setting themselves up to rebuild. Right. It's just easier and more of a buzzword to say tanking. So yes. So people that. Yeah. So but it was it was Tom Zeller that wrote that article. I believe. Yes, he did. Um, you're right. You're right. You're right. And and I like. I just. I agree with it, and I, I like I'm good with the plan. But I do think there is something to watching the games. There's something. To, it's even when people talk about having like a three year plan for the team or rebuilding. And I think when people are talking about this with the Phillies, you know, five or six or seven years is a short time in um, in real life. But in sports, when you're watching 160 games. It feels like like it's a long time. So it's been a really long time since the Phillies have been bad. A really, really long time, especially in terms of watching sports. And I think a lot of people talk about, well, they're going to have to get worse to get better. Like our forget, even the Eagles fans, um, you know, understood that you know Chip Kelly that this was a rebuilding year. But like you know, if they're seven and nine or six and ten, they people are you know before the season will say, well, if it's a promising seven and nine or six or ten, well, I got news for you. When your quarterback is 33 and your running back's been in the league for four years and your two wide receivers have been in the league for five years each, like this is not you know rebuilding. This is not a young team. There's nothing fun about watching losing. So though you can agree with the concept of losing, I just don't think there's anything fun about watching losing. Unless, unless it's just so bad that it's enjoyable. Like I had, yeah. I had fun watching losing last year. I mean, when you know Royale Ivy and Damian Wilkins are, are screwing up and Doug Collins is taking the heat for it, I had a great time. That was fun. That was fun for me. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad, I, bad managerial people getting their due. I was I was like actively rooting against some of the people in the Sixers organization, and now I'm all about pretty much everybody. It's great. Um. Yeah, I'll tell you what. The one time I was cheering for losing was the end of last year. I was furious when they were winning games. They went on some kind of run, and I forget what the um, 
um, I forget what the the run was, but toward the end of the season, I was like, "Come yeah, on!" It was, like, it, was like, it was like 500. It was Shane looking flying out of his mind, and yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so glad we're just from from Doug. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, every every week we could talk about it, and, I, and I'll still feel just a sense of elation. Um, well then, do you want to, like we spoke about, you know, I, we've talked about Brett Brown before, I think of the final candidates, um, given where he was coming from, um, and his, his history, um, everyone was, uh, was down with Brett Brown. I'm down with it. You're happy with it. I mean, you know, you, like you said, I don't profess to know anything about his coaching style or no, I don't know what really. he was coaching. He was an assistant coach, you know? So, um, yeah. but, um, he has all the pieces to me. Um, that looked like a successful hire. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely on board. Would have liked a more fun name, maybe? Vanterpool? Yes. Fizdale? Um, that, that kind of thing would be nice. But uh, Or a Rockets guy would have been great. Chris Finch? Yeah. Just having just, just getting a Rockets guy just as I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing it. But um, but that's just for me. Uh, Brett Pound comes from, from Pop. Uh you can't beat it. It's. I'm really excited about it. I'm yeah. really excited. Boy, if you're you're Brett Brown, you're looking at this roster. Even though in the future, you're like, holy crap! How are we going to score points? How is this going to happen? <laughs> well, uh, Spencer did go out for 58 yeah. in a Seattle Pro Am. Dude, he takes 30 shots during any Sixers game. Uh, that is the one that I turn off um, this year. Um, uh, hey, I called the. Uh, Last week, you called you called the Brett Brown thing, or the, at least the Sixers hiring thing. But I called a big move, and Chris Duhon <laughs> they haven't is even... looking mighty nice. <laughs> they haven't signed him yet, though. It... <laughs> yeah, but it's oh, it's in the works. The the if I'm if I'm to remember if I'm to think back, the Sixers have not signed one free agent, right? No, not not one. <laughs> <laughs> they're very slow. They're very slow. They're very deliberate. They're taking their time. There's none left. There's none <laughs> left. There's nobody left. There's not even the bad ones. Bino Udrick is gone. <laughs> I was laying the pipe for Bino. <laughs> it's he's gone. Um that that said, uh you did have a piece on Liberty Ballers this week that that had the uh ESPN I guess got all their experts together and they uh, they all did say that the Sixers were the worst team in the East, but somehow had them uh coming up with 20 wins and 20. Uh, dude i know the east is bad uh top heavy i guess you know because now they're a good they're you know with the pacers becoming a legitimate team and the bulls coming back there are good teams in the and the nets there are good teams in the east but right. um it's very top heavy i can't i can't imagine them winning 20 games i can't i can't given the roster that we know of 20 games and, and i think the more we know i mean the more it unfolds, the worse it'll get, which means Fad or Evan or Spencer will be gone. And young, bad players will replace them. So I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to get better through, through the offseason. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, 20 is a lot. It, it, the, the panel was 215 people, so it just might have gotten, I'm sure there were a few like 12 there and then some lukewarm people on it but uh it is kind of weird to think bear with me here uh they won 34 games last year yes yep so is drew and durell and nick young and doug collins and damian wilkins i guess are they worth 14 wins at least just like in a, in a vacuum, taking those players out. 14 wins? Well, here's what I think. I, I think the Drew thing is pretty big. And even, even, if, you're, even if you're reasonable about his value, um, I do think having the one player who, like, who is capable of sort of taking over a game at all, um, yeah. totally gone, like the leading scorer, the leading assist guy, the, like the uh, probably the best three point shooter. Um, 
Yeah, I I don't know. And, uh, you know, uh, I, they have to be worth 14 wins. They have to be. I And forgetting about it, I think that's a... It's one way to look at it, but if you erase your vision of what happened last year and just look at the roster this year and yeah, compare it to any other bad team's roster, the Sixers have the worst roster in the NBA. I'm not talking about future. I'm talking about right now. They yeah. have the worst roster in the NBA. Yes. Well, and I wasn't saying it like it's the case. I just want to bring it up. Uh, in baseball, you can sort of look at a team and then take, take away a player and do that math a little easier. In basketball, I don't think you can just take a player out and be like, okay, this he was worth this many wins, and now he's gone, so they'll get this much, because it changes the dynamic a whole lot more right. than it does in baseball. I was just bringing it up. It's just a weird. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, even Drew Holiday to like to Michael Carter-Williams, my, I, mean, I mean, that could really be worth 10 games, couldn't it? I don't know. I... I didn't like MCW coming out of the draft because I'd watched him in Syracuse for so long. So he was a known quantity for me, and I just wasn't that into it. Yeah. But then the Yankee drafted him, and I'm kind of like, all right. Like, I, I buy in. Like So I love the way he gets to the basket. I love him on defense. And the jump shot isn't horrible looking. So if he just t- if he just takes a bit less, I mean he did their research. You know they looked they looked at him in high school. They saw they looked at him in high school. It wasn't bad high school. So <laughs> are you moving? Hey, stop talking, Mike. Are you moving around at home? No. Uh, your phone was going in and out. We couldn't Sorry. hear you. No, no, no. I just I wanted the people. It's, uh, I'm just I think about the people. I'm a oh, okay, fine. guy of well, the I'm people. Just- yeah, I'm, I, I've sort of um, – I wasn't into the Michael Carter-Williams thing until they took him, and then over the last month I've been talking myself into it. So I think that's where I am on it. But uh, So we'll see. I, I, I love how he gets the basket. Uh, I'm excited to see the Sixers go to the basket, get fouled, and and kick out for threes. We'll see what happens after that. Um, so Josh Harris is probably going to buy the Devils. Uh, by the way – you know, the people that, and I'm, you know, I will criticize my father more than anybody. No, um, not, more than, not more than me, Spike. Well, not, not more, more than, than you, uh, as much as anybody. Um, but um, he has, you know, everyone loved to get on his case when he had the Adam Aaron thing, and then Adam Aaron denied it, and everyone got on his case, and it turned out the Adam Aaron thing was true. Yeah. Um, and this one, everybody's like, well, you know, it's Howard Eskin, that can't be true, and clearly um, this is a real thing, too. So he has nailed two pretty big ones. Um, oh yeah! In the, in and, the last uh, few months, I would say. And we've talked about this uh, when he's actually doing reporting things. I tend to believe him. Right. I, I will tell you this. I will tell anyone who is listening is that when he's doing reporting things, even when those things uh, turn out not, <clears throat> and this is like any guy who does those sort of things, those the good ones at least, the guys that are you know breaking. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that. It is rare that guys like that are making things up out of thin air, you know, that are just doing it for everyone's like, ah, you're just doing it for page views. Like, I've known my father my whole life. He he doesn't make any of these things up. Like, now, sometimes maybe the the person that informed him wasn't informed enough or, you know, maybe he took the word of the wrong person. But I can promise you it's never just made up or some guy on the street saying, you know, um, hey, hey, Howard, I'm hearing this is going on. Like, it's you know, it's, it's not that. Um, now the Josh Harris thing on it's if if you and I when we read it are thinking it's hilarious and want it to happen, yes, it be, it means <coughs> that <coughs> excuse me that you dying t- on me yeah <coughs> take it away Mike <laughs> it means right, that this is now the Mike Levin show yeah it means that on some level <coughs> we understand. <coughs> We we were expecting. I can't. But what has happened to me? I'm dying. <laughs> Here, I'll talk. For yeah, you talk. Water. Uh, yeah, it's just we like it because we're. I guess in a little bit, a little part of us uh, is trollish, and yeah. uh, enjoys seeing the sort of all the bad qualities of the Philadelphia fan come out. Uh, just to sort of perpetuate 
that's how ridiculous it is sometimes. And for some people just just get so irate about it. And some people are. Uh, it's hysterical. I mean, he's a businessman. He doesn't care about rivalries. He's not going to buy the Knicks. It's a, it's a different sport. Uh, it's an investment opportunity. Like if he bought, you know, a television show, it's, it's, it's something that he's doing to make money, which is what everyone's doing it for. Some people have a little more, uh, for whatever reason, roots in, in the town that they buy in. But he's a businessman, and he sees an opportunity to make money, and he's going to take it. And uh, at its core, it's just, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, if, if, I'm, if I'm not enjoying other people's squirm, it's like, okay, does it have to be the devils? Like, couldn't it, if you're yeah. going to buy something, couldn't it be like the wild? Right. They still exist, right? Uh, but but the fact that it's the devils and it's it's, it's perfect. It's great. Um, it's not. It's definitely not uh, endearing him to any sort of staunch Philadelphia four for four guys. But uh, you know who cares? I mean, he's not going. Is, is he going to? Give them draft. It's a different sport. Like it's a different sport. It's there's nothing there's nothing in common. Uh, there will be no similar thing. He'll he'll just he'll hire either he'll keep the GM who I, apparently is good and let the GM do his thing and it'll be the same thing as Hinky. And you know if he leaves, it just means that if, or if he goes away or, or is occupied with something else, then that means that Hinky has more freedom to do his own thing. He doesn't have to. I mean, Harris isn't looking over his shoulder at every move. So. Yeah, the, the way I see it. Well, I love the trolliness of it. And here's, yeah, that's really what it is. Though. Yeah, I mean, it's the number one troll sports move in history by like an <laughs> owner. There's never, there's never been anything more trolly than this. I mean, this is he's not doing it on purpose. In my head, so all right. So here's how I see the fan breakdown of this. True four for four people are rare. They don't really exist. There are people, if true hardcore four for four people. Like, there are people, most people cheer for all four teams, but are more casual about some teams than others, you know? The Sixers. Let's, let's just put it out there. It's the Sixers that they're casual. About. No, no, no. But I think that the Sixers diehards are more casual about the Flyers, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do think that a lot of the Phillies and Eagles diehards are casual about both the Flyers and the Sixers. And if the team is good, they'll be invested in it. And if the team's not good, they won't be invested in it. And sure. I don't think there's any problem with that. I think as you, as you get older and have a family and a job, it's not like you have time to watch all four teams, all four sports all the time. You know, I, I certainly accept that, you know, there are times, you know, if you love a band, it doesn't, if they, and they put out a crap album, it's not your, your responsibility to like the album. You know, if you don't like the album, you don't like the album. So if the team's no good, they're no good. You know, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, you know, be on the bandwagon. I don't care. So, so throwing the four for the real four for the, the true hardcore four for four people out of this, um, there are people who love the Flyers. Most of those people don't like basketball. They just don't. Um, and I will tell you that a lot of them hurl insults at Sixers fans and have some kind of weird complex about it. Like yeah. there's a whole, no one goes to the games, no one cares, blah, 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 blah. So basically, this stokes their fire. The people that are most upset and will stay the most upset are Flyers diehards. But the reality is, is that Flyers diehards hate the NBA, really hate the Sixers, and maybe if the team was in the finals, would, would have some sort of... Uh, uh, interest in it. Sixers diehards don't really care. And I would actually say that there would be some Sixers diehards that hated Ed Snyder as, a, as an owner so much, given that he did not care about the Sixers, that this yeah. is actually sort of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that our, not only did our owner buy the team from you, but he bought like the number two rival hockey team just to get in your grill about it. Um, I think it's sort of funny. Um, you know, Ed Snyder builds the Flyers, their own practice facility in Voorhees, but the Sixers practice at Pecom. You know, the Flyers have this giant, a giant, like, three-room locker room at the Wells Fargo Center. The Sixers have a closet. Like, this is all the responsibility of the former owner. Um, so there's some of that. And I think everybody else, really, if the Sixers are good, they will be fans. If they're not good, they won't be fans. And that's pretty much the, 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 the be-all and all of all of it. 
is that yeah. nobody is not going to go. If they get Andrew Wiggins and this guy is as good as they think they are, people will go to those games and there won't be anybody that goes, well, I don't know if I want this money going to Ilya Kovalchuk. Like, you know, <laughs> like nobody will think that. They might make jokes about it. It will be right. like a punchline forever, but it's not a real thing. Definitely. But I think I think what you're doing right now is being rational. Right, right, right. right. And that's a problem because the vocal people that will oppose this and then subsequently get picked up by the national media and et cetera and, and just the, the, the sort of the, the idea of what Philadelphia fans think are the people that speak to your father on the radio. Yeah. And, and they are very upset about this, Howard. Well, and so, <laughs> I, so I, think, I think that that I mean yes, but also no, because people aren't. That's not who you're going to hear. You're not going to hear the people that are like, well, if they win, they win, they lose, they lose. That's yeah. Us. Well, but and and really, when you give people, and this is actually with anything, with movies, TV, sports, movies, whatever, um, that when you give people an opportunity, as with sports, radio, Twitter, Facebook, all these things, when you give people the opportunity to give their immediate guttural response. That response is probably going to be um, not the most rational one. Like that's not what it calls for. You know, your your immediate reaction to things usually isn't the most you know thought out. So um, I don't I don't disagree that the people that are calling, like that their first instinct is they, they're already sort of out on the Sixers at this point anyway. You know, um, but now they're like, oh, what? You know what I mean? Like their first instinct is like. Wait a minute, that can't be real. What? Um, and I don't deny that that is an honest sort of, um, you know, an honest thing um, that, uh, that, that people immediately feel that way. But I just think it will eventually go away. Much like I made a, um, I made a, uh, I made a, a point in something I wrote that, like, you know, there are many things that, F- that Philadelphia fans have said are unforgivable. Um, such things as domestic abuse, uh, racism, homophobia, dog killing. All of these things are things that Philadelphia athletes have done, and all of these things have gone away, um, you know, at least rather quickly, sometimes without even winning. The Riley Cooper thing is, like, pretty much over already. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Deshaun Jackson was calling people uh, a homophobic slur on the radio. Um, that went away pretty quick. Even LaShawn McCoy has been an idiot 600 times in 600 different ways, and that goes away. It's just people don't really care. They say they care in, in the beginning, but then it fades. Um, people, I, I, think, I think really even worse than all those things, people don't get or, or can't wrap their minds around people doing things, uh, players or coaches or, or even owners at this point, doing things for money in sports. Yeah. It has to be about something more. Because everything about their everyday lives is about money and how can we pay these bills and how can we afford to do this and do that. But these very wealthy people doing things exclusively for, you know, I want to make money, there's some disconnect there when it comes to sports for them. And I think that really bothers them. So when, you know, Josh Harris does this, I, I think that's even, for, they can't wrap their mind about, well, he wants to make money buying the devils now and then selling them later makes him money. That's it. And it's not, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't make him a bad guy. So, and, and it's the same thing with players taking contracts different places and being like, and people are like, oh, they're a trader. And it's like, well, they got more money offered. So they took more money. Money. More money. It's like, you just want to be like, don't you understand? Don't you get it? Don't. But for sports, there's like a clear, like blinders are on and you can't do things for money. Well, and, and if the, you do that, you're a bad guy. And then the other thing is that um, you know people say, ah, Josh Harris just doesn't get it and doesn't get Philadelphia and blah blah blah. Like, no, I think he he may he might not get it as much as you want him to, but like no get, no amount of get it in the world, like no amount of sit down with him was going to be like now, Josh. I know that you think you can make a few hundred million on this <laughs> Devils thing, but I just want to warn you. People on sports radio are going to be upset about this for about two days. Like, <laughs> you know, and and just so you know, there are a bunch of people, upwards of 500, they consider themselves four for four. <laughs> hey, just a heads up. Now. Not sure if you consulted a map lately. Yeah. 
but New Jersey's awful close to Philadelphia. Yeah, I I think he actually knows these things and just doesn't think that it matters. It, or it matters less to him than the potential of, you know, the fans that he loses is worth less to him than the, the money he can make. Um, you know, it's just like, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I, I do think that at some point, um, you know, one of the... When you look at values of NBA franchises, and you know you saw the, the what the Kings went for, um, and what NBA, you know, there's some speculation that the Sixers are now worth 418 million, and he paid 280 for them. Um, the most important thing in all of this is a good TV deal and a good building deal. You know, having your own building, and the Six, sure. Sixers don't have either right now. Um, they don't have their own building, um, and they don't have a great TV deal, and. It will ha- I don't think the Sixers will ever move, but it will happen that Harris uses this as leverage to get a basketball building. Um, and every- I know everyone's saying, well, they don't even have enough money for schools and blah, 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 and this and that and so on and so forth. And I get it. I understand. But what I'm telling you is, is that like somebody will offer them an arena and they will use that leverage to try to get an arena here. And um, and it will be scary at some point. And I don't know if it's in three years or five years or seven years, but there is no way that he bought this team with the express purpose of paying Comcast rent for twenty years. There's just yeah. no way. There's no way. What it, it's stupid. It like the the value of the franchise will increase if if the a value of a franchise in Sacramento can be worth five hundred plus million with a building, then a value of a franchise in Philadelphia. Uh, can be worth eight or nine hundred million, you know. So, um, so that'll happen. That will happen. Um, right. so I don't know if the th- uh, I don't know if the threat will be. I don't think Trenton's a real threat. You know, why, why would you move? There's already two teams there, um, and they already have problems filling a building there. But I think um, you know, like move onto the move onto the suburbs. Yeah, well, move onto like media. Well, Camden's a real thing. Like I, I know, but I don't want it to be. Harold Katz threatened Camden and. Um, you know, everybody says they won't go to Camden, but Dave Matthews fans don't seem to have a problem finding it. So, True. Um, so I, think, I think that'll be okay. Um, let, let's talk, uh, let's talk the Central Sixers trades first. Oh yeah, yeah, go, 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 yeah. Because I was looking, I was poking around yesterday while I was supposed to be doing other work and, uh, I was looking at different contracts and, and who could be available and stuff. And I posed the question on Twitter because I, I really, I think there's a particular guy who uh, the Sixers will reacquire, a former Sixer. Um, and I asked people what they thought, and most people came back with jokes about Iverson. Yeah. Or Matumbo. Yeah. Which kind of came out of left field. There were a couple of Primo Brezic ones, which I liked. Uh, but I think Andre Miller is going to be a Sixer next year. Uh, his contract expires at the end of this year, and he's, a, he's got a, a small buyout. Um, Wait, you say this coming season or the next? This, this coming season. Oh. I think they're going to trade Andre Miller. Uh, I think Denver, you know, has has Lawson and has uh, Nate Robinson. They also have uh, a couple other guys that can play the point. And I think he's the odd man out. And I think they really want to save money. Uh, everything they've been doing this offseason has been about saving money, and. Um, and shipping off Lawson to a team that, or sorry, shipping off Miller to a team that can afford to take him on, uh, I think is is what they're going to do. And I think the Sixers made a team. Uh, he's not a great player anymore, but um, I think he'd be seen as like a, you know, okay, here's a veteran that we're going to sign to sort of play behind MCW and quote unquote mentor him be the worst guy for MCW to, to watch because uh, he gets the basket without elite athleticism. And he's a pretty big point guard um, compared to the rest of the league. And uh, he also can't shoot. So um, that, 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 that kind of fits the team team dynamic. <laughs> well, we don't uh, want anyone to hit any shots. No, no shots. That's, that's the rule. Um, and, you know, if, if Denver really wants to get him, to get him out of there, I think the Sixers will take him and be like, okay, you know, give us a first-round pick or give us a couple seconds in Quincy Miller or something like that. And, um, 
yeah, I think that, I think that's going to happen. And you know, maybe they'll send along Lavoie or something like that, something smaller. Um, if we get more, it depends on how much we're going to move them. You know, it, it could be an Evan Turner trade. I don't think it will be a Fad or a Spencer trade, but it could be a Turner trade. Um, and and I would like to mention because every time I I do I do those uh, made up trades on Tuesdays. Yesterday's was actually pretty creative. It was four teams. Um, but every time I do one of them, somebody says like, "Ah, oh, I don't I don't want the Sixers to get any better. That'll be wins. Yeah, we time, won't get Wiggins. Time. It's every time." And it's like, here's a because this is what people will say when they hear you say that. Here's a newsflash, man. Like like. The, if they go from 13 wins to 14 wins because they have Andre Miller or or 13, like, that's all. That's all. That, it, Andre Miller is not going to make this team a 26-win team, you know? Like, you, you still need to feel the team, you know? Like, there need to be players on the team. Um, and there, I think there does come a point where you can maybe have not enough good players to even be, like, effectively bad, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you don't want it to be... You don't want them in a disastrous situation, you know, where nobody knows how to play basketball. Um, so, you know, the, cool it on the we need as many. I, trust me, Hinky understands the ping pong balls thing. They're going to be plenty horrible. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Um, I'd be more, I'd be a little bit more worried about um, Andre becoming disgruntled because he tends to be that and and taking minutes away from MCW. But at the same time, uh, you don't want to. You don't want MCW to play 45 minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. I'd like him to play like 32 even. Not, not, I don't want him to – this season is going to be so trying that I'd, I don't even want him to play 35, 38 minutes a game. Like I don't, I don't want to subject him to, to that much badness. You know what I mean? He'll, yeah. he'll improve and he'll develop at, at 30 or 32 minutes a game if he's running the point for almost all of that. So you know you're you're, you're going to have to bring in a backup point guard to 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 relieve him, and if if taking Andre Miller and you know they have the cap space to do it, so if taking Andre Miller on means getting another pick or getting a high upside young guy like Quincy Miller, or I don't think this is likely, but Evan Fournier kind of thing, um, then I think it's worth it. Or Jordan Hamilton, like these are guys that can shoot, so probably not them, uh, but. You know, there is that. There is the there's definitely vocal concern of no, that would help them win games, and it's like that's that's not how they're thinking. They're not thinking like we can't find anyone that is good at all. They're trying to the the, the primary focus is getting these young guys playing time and development and and uh, and making them better, and then you know by proxy. They will lose a lot of games, but it's more about developing the young guys they have right now. And I think uh, you don't you don't want to sort of throw them out onto the island and say like fend for yourself. You want to have a little bit of a cushion of like okay, here's Andre Miller. Yeah, you know, just let like let you know Michael Carter Williams doesn't want to be in there forty minutes a game either. Like, no. It was going to be that bad, you know. It's like you don't want to beaten down. Um, yeah. Losing that many games is tough. It's tough on any, especially that. This is one of these cases where fans like should understand that this is this this year will be tougher on the players than it will be on the fans. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Lo- losing nine out of every ten games is not an easy thing for a player to go through, especially a lot of players that have won a lot of games their entire career wherever they went. You know, so um, anybody else? Because we we got about five minutes. Um, is that it? That was all I thought of yesterday. I don't think I wrote an article about it, and I was like, yeah, it's just me making it up. Why would I do that? So I just put it on Twitter instead. Uh, I think there's I think there's somebody. Um, there really isn't that many backup point guards uh, on the market, at least. A.J. Price, I think, is still around. Booby Gibson. Booby Gibson has yet to sign with anybody. You're you're laying the pipe for Booby Gibson. Yeah, I am. Laying the pipe, and laying the pipe for Booby sounds like a um, sounds like a porno. <laughs> or like an all-sunk ska band. Yes. <laughs> um, that would work. And I would also like to give myself credit for breaking the Meek Mill reaction to the Kendrick Lamar song yesterday. Um, How did that work out? Uh, it was awesome. Um, I got a retweet from Meek Mill. It's the coolest thing ever. I, the guy's got like 1.7 million followers. 
I had actually had the interview booked like three weeks ago because they're doing right. the the Dream Chaser Summit the end of August um, in Philly. Him and Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters had been up here before, um, uh-huh. so they came in, and it just so happened that I woke up and everybody was talking about the Kendrick Lamar thing in the morning. So I got to ask him about it, and my you know the quotes got into XXL magazine, um, which you know second to the source as far as hip hop magazines go. So I have no right being involved in that story at all. Um, but I thought it was funny that um, I got an email from a, I won't even say who it was or what company it was, but like a older white person um, wanting the quote when they heard that Meek Mill was here and just sort of spelling out the Kendrick Lamar lyrics for me in case uh-huh. I hadn't seen it. Um, yeah. it, was, like, it was a funny moment. It was a funny was moment. It your, was it your dad? No, it was not. That, that would be the, the number of explanations that would have to happen. For me to explain to my dad what the hell that was was going on and why it was a big deal to somebody um, would have been a lot of explanations more than I would have the patience for. Um, so, but that's it. That's all. That I was know. old. That was old music spike coming in. Yeah, Sports spike took a took a backseat to that one. Yeah, but it was never a hip hop spike. It was always rock music spike. Like I had a, like I had, somehow had a, a rap story come out of here. I was really proud of but, myself. I don't know how that. Yeah. Ha- Aren't you like a rap guy? Aren't you, in, aren't yeah. you like into that stuff? Yeah, I'm into Well, I'll tell you what. Kendrick Lamar. I sound so old just saying that. <laughs> well, so, aren't you a rap guy? Well, aren't Ken, you into that stuff? Kendrick Lamar is one guy that like I bought the record and I just don't, I don't understand it. None of the songs sound any good to me. And honestly, I read the, what he said about everybody and I was like, well, that's not a big deal. Like, you know, guys used to say they were kill the other guy. I mean, <laughs> he was, Kendrick Lamar was just saying he's a better rapper than the other guys. I, I, I thought that's what they all did. You know, like that seemed like a pretty normal thing to me. I seem to remember a whole song from Tupac about how he's going to kill Biggie. <laughs> so, you know, kill him, literally kill him. Um, so it just seems like, you know, the disses have gotten, have lightened up a little bit. It didn't seem like that big a deal to me. So, um, well, that's all. Um, good show, Mike. Hey, that, that's by Ricky Sanchez. Um, All right, wait, two seconds. Yes. What, I, I keep going for, back and forth on what I'm calling it. Like, there has to be some sort of shorthand. Uh, so I, sometimes I call it the Ricky. Sometimes I call it the rights to Ricky. I, just the Ricky Sanchez. I think rights. like a, sex, a sexual, yeah. sort of like a innuendo. I think rights to Ricky sounds good. Rights to Ricky? Yeah. Because especially on, on, in the new, you know, 140-character limited world. Well, I do like every, every image that I put up on the site has um, what? TRT. T- yeah, TRTRS, um, just because it's shorter. Um, sure. But, uh, but yeah, I like rights to Ricky. Whatever you want to call it, just call it one thing and stick with it, and I'll glom onto that. I keep switching. I'm going to keep switching. All right. keep... <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, talk to you next week. All right, Bye. see ya. Like I said, hold your head, son, don't take a second. Check it out, man.